Thank you so much for joining me. This is Gary Zacharias with The Apologist Bookshelf. I'm back to take a second look at, well, actually it's the third look. I've done uh, two other podcasts on Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. She's written Total Truth and some other excellent books. She's a real thinker, and so this is not a book you're going to skim through, but you're going to get so much out of it. This is the real meat and potatoes. Uh, subtitle, Answering Hard Questions About Life and Sexuality. So let me go ahead here. I'm going to pick up on Chapter 3. It's called, I love the title, Dear Valued Constituent, You are no longer You No Longer Qualify as a Person. Oh, wow. So she's talking about personhood. And she said, when the concept of personhood gets detached from biology, then it becomes arbitrary. There's no objective criteria. Uh, if you're a person and have value because you're alive, great. But she says, that's not what's happening today. And it says, eventually, a definition of a person is going to be enforced by, guess what, whoever's got the most power. So if it's an unborn baby and you say, well, that's not a person, well, then what about children already born? What about people with disabilities? People who are terminally ill, the mentally ill? How about the elderly? So her point is, we're going to all be at risk. And she says, you know, when Christians argue these ethical issues in the public square, we're not really trying to impose our values on everybody else. That's what we get accused of. Christians are not seeking power and control. They're working to protect human rights that benefit everybody. I think that's so important, and we need to say that over and over again. Whether we're talking about the transgender movement, we're talking about homosexuality, same-sex marriage, uh, the hookup culture, whatever it is, we get accused of being a bunch of Puritans and uh, afraid that somebody's having a good time. And that's not it. Over and over again, we need to stress we want what's best for human flourishing. And so she says, let's look at this chapter here. And she's going to discuss this personhood theory. And she said, first it was applied to abortion. Now it's being applied to a lot of other issues from everything from euthanasia to selling fetal tissue, from stem cell research to animal rights, from gene uh, genetic engineering to eugenics. She said, it is the concept that's driving threats to the dignity of human life today. She has a scary story here. In 2015, British columnist Katie Hopkins began to call literally for euthanasia vans to drive all over the place. She said, have them be just like ice cream vans. They'd come to your home. In fact, this uh, author said, I'm super keen on euthanasia vans. And then Nancy Piercy says, I'm sure she is, until one comes for her. And actually, that columnist wasn't too far off. The Holland has already got euthanasia vans. It offers a mobile euthanasia service, a Dutch Right to Life, right to, sorry, Right to Die organization does. So wait, what are we talking about here? What's this? personhood theory. Well, according to that theory, which is being pushed now all over the place, <clears throat> human dignity consists in the ability to show yourself as a conscious person, somebody who has deliberate control over your life. And if a disabled person for some reason loses some of that mental control because of a disease or injury, then they've lost personhood, even though the person is still alive and human. So, for example, she quotes from a bioethicist. I always like that, a bioethicist or an ethicist. That usually they're, they're pretty chilling. 
but his name is Daniel Callahan. He says, if a person loses the capacity to reason, to have emotions, and to enter into relationships, they can't be called a person any longer. It's a mere body only. And so you could be unplugged, your treatment could be withheld, your food and water could be discontinued, and your organs could be harvested. Wow. What did Peter Singer say? He's another ethicist. <clears throat> he said, it's personhood, not species membership, that determines when it's wrong to end a life. So, in other words, it's not enough to be a member of the human species. That's not enough to save you for the right to life. You've got to meet some additional standards, some level of mental functioning. And if you don't, you're just a piece of meat, and they can do whatever they want to you. And she says, you find that these secular bioethicists are starting to influence doctors a lot. And they set hospital policy, and it's influencing legislators who write laws and judges and healthcare workers. She said, we've got to take a look at this. So how did this all happen? She said, you know, if you look back, many of the leading figures that first called for abortion and euthanasia, they were supporters of Darwin. Yeah, and they got really involved in eugenics trying to improve humanity by elim eliminating people that had disabilities and genetic defects. Uh, Ernst Haeckel in the 19th century, he was a promoter of Darwin's theory, and guess what? He favored euthanasia. One historian said the most pivotal turning point in the early history of the euthanasia movement was the coming of Darwinism to America. Wow. Okay, Jack London, I've read a lot of his stories, and uh, he was a big supporter of euthanasia and eugenics, and he'd read a lot of Charles Darwin. He used to go around quoting Darwin. How about Margaret Sanger? She founded Planned Parenthood in 1921. She was a disciple of Darwin. Everybody says, oh, what a wonderful person. She promoted birth control, but she promoted death control, euthanasia. She wrote this, the most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Can I say that one again? Can I read that one again? This is Margaret Sanger. The most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Wow. Here's some other supporters of euthanasia and eugenics. Oliver Wendell Holmes, avid Darwinian. Clarence Darrow. He, he actually favored infanticide. So why did so many thinkers support eugenics? Well, Darwin's theory was a big support for that philosophy of materialism and materialism just says all we are are just material organisms. We're just meat all the way down. If that's the case, then morality is not real. So wh where's the dividing line between ones you can kill and ones that you save and you have legal protection for? So you got to have some kind of criteria. And that's the hard prob problem. The, the problem is that this concept of personhood Catch this, it's not based on any objective reality. None. Uh, brain death, well, it, it, does an EEG tell you? Well, not so much. Back in 1971, they found out some patients diagnosed as brain dead still had brain waves. Okay, so that's not going to work. <clears throat> so now, what do doctors use to say death is here? It, 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 the measures are um, very widely. So essentially, a patient is no longer a person when the physician says so. Well, yeah, if you've got different kinds of physicians with different worldviews, you're going to get different answers, aren't you? You know what's fascinating to me is that most people who choose to die are not experiencing pain or suffering. They're afraid of the impending loss of, a, of self, of abilities, and the quality of life. 
That's sad, isn't it? So secular society somehow has managed to drill into people's minds that if you start losing control and autonomy, then you have no value. So she says, we've got to stand by people that are struggling with their fears and let them know, even if they become less independent and productive, they're worthwhile. They're deserving of care and respect. In some states where assisted suicide is legal, patients have reported they've felt pressured in their lives to avoid expenses, costly medical treatment. Well, she says pretty obvious an easy way to reduce healthcare costs is physician-assisted suicide. And she said, you know, voluntary euthanasia may not remain voluntary much anymore. Well, then what about involuntary euthanasia when people can't give their consent? Well, if people are reduced to machines, why should anyone object to pulling the plug? But, you know, a biblical worldview says uh, people that are disabled somehow, it's a disa- they are disabled people. They're disabled persons. The Christian view is the human being is it's holistic and it's incarnational. It treats the body as the embodiment of the person. So what are euthanasia advocates actually saying? Our personhood consists only in higher mental functions. That's it. So the body is not part of that identity. The idea of personhood is based on cerebral function, but boy, is that fragile. In other words, she says, you know, my personhood might end the moment my cortex starts to malfunction. But look at the biblical view, how much more rich, how much more resilient and enduring that is. She quotes from a physician, in Christian thinking, whatever happens to you in the future, whatever disease or accident may befall your central nervous system, if you're struck down by dementia or in a persistent vegetative state, you will still be you, a unique and wonderful person known and loved by God. Isn't that great? The pressure is off to prove our worth or to persuade people that our lives have value. We shouldn't have to to work hard to, to prove that. Christianity says you already are valuable to God. So she said, uh, let me move along here to another way. She said, look at this uh, problem with secular ethics. She takes on human embryos. She said, you know, if, if you believe the secularists, human embryos are just biological entities. They're not people. So now you can do embryonic stem cell research. But she says it's ironic. You don't need that. Adult stem cell research produces better outcomes. What about harvesting aborted babies for body parts? Well, you know, if you're a materialist and there's no God out there, then human strip mining is fine. And you can sell fetal organs. She said, but human beings are not objects that should ever be for sale. And in fact, she quotes from a member of the European Parliament who says, surrogacy reduces the woman to a reproductive machine and the child to an asset in a business transaction. So there's the money. She also tackles transhumanism, creating supermen. And she says, you know, this uses that same logic. And here's how it goes. Humans are nothing special, right? They're not made by God. It's just evolution. So since humans are nothing special, why not use technology to create a new stage of life beyond humanity? They have this idea that you could bioengineer utopia. We'd be liberated from our human uh, limitations. Um, But she said, you know, the new eugenics, the way you pick your kids now, maybe, by their genetic traits, that'd be dangerous to liberty. Who's going to have the power to decide which ways are desirable? Um, a geneticist at Princeton said, we're going to get someday super persons who will rule over subpersons. 
In the first group will be the controllers of society, and the others will be low-paid laborers and service providers. Do you know what that reminds me of? Uh, being an English major, I guess I think of these things. Uh, the time machine. H.G. Wells kind of hit upon this a long time ago, that the human race would split into the ones that would control others, and you'd get two distinct uh, groups of uh, humanity. So she said, you know, once we deny humans don't have dignity just for being human, that's the Christian perspective. We have dignity just for being human. The minute we let go of that, she says, we've opened the door to tyranny. I think so, exactly. She quotes C.S. Lewis on this. Here's what he wrote in The Abolition of Man. What we call man's power over nature turns out to be a power exercised by some men over other men with nature as its instrument. Isn't that powerful? So we say we have power over nature. Well, maybe so in some cases, but not everybody's going to exercise that power. There'll be some in, in charge, and they'll be ruling over other people. Yeah. Uh, Ray Kurzweil, who's uh, Google's director of engineering, or was, I think he's retired, he hopes that advances in artificial intelligence is going to help us to download the brain to a computer. Oh, won't that be wonderful? Wow. Well, the message of Christianity doesn't start with salvation. It starts with creation. So what God created has value and it has worth. So I think that's really uh, powerful information. Um, let's see. Let me move ahead here. She has a, a, a subsection called Bloodsuckers, Vampires, and Cockroaches. She said, if you want a truly humane society, it's not the technology, it's the worldview. And a worldview that says human life has no value or dignity, that's never going to lead to utopia, no matter what kind of tools and technology you have. And she quotes from a philosopher, Luke Ferry, and he's actually uh, has written a book promoting atheism, but he says it was Christianity that introduced the concept of equal rights. And another atheist, Richard Rorty, agrees. He said Christianity gave, right, gave rise to the concept of universal rights, derived from the conviction that all human beings are created in the image of God. So there we go. She warns. She says, you know, once a culture abandons the conviction that all humans are created in God's image, human rights are up for grabs. She's exactly right. She said, once you start treating humans as mere things, you get things like slavery and totalitarian systems that we saw in the 20th century. So she said, personhood theory is associated with lower support for human rights. And she said, because Darwin came along, people no longer have a moral basis for universal human rights. That is really scary. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think what I'll do, this is a, a long chapter, and I think I'm going to end it at this point. I want you to think about these things, plenty to think on uh, here. But uh, this is uh, Nancy uh, Piercy, wonderful writer. I hope you have a chance to read some of her work. This, is, this one's Love Thy Body. Well, thank you, and uh, talk to you later.